The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And I'm live here on the MMA Industry Podcast, uh, January 18th edition, and uh, happy to be uh, joined here by myself. Uh, I am uh, going to be uh, riding solo today. Uh, apologies for that, by the way. I did have a guest lined up, um, but unfortunately, as, as things happen sometimes in this industry, uh, guests fall through. Um, I'll explain maybe another time why this guest couldn't end up uh, coming on the show, but uh, I was kind of scrambling. I, uh, I ended up going through a couple different guests, and just nothing worked out. And uh, as you can see, I'm not in my usual spot uh, for uh, the, the podcast. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually on vacation right now. I'm in Mexico, uh, hence the goofy shirt right now. And I'm in a hotel room in uh, Cancun. I'm uh, here this week for a wedding. So things are a little bit different today. But I, I thought, uh, you know what? I don't want to miss doing the podcast this week. I try and do it every week as much as I can, vacation or not. Um, I still want to keep up with it. So hopefully you guys uh, get something out of this because I, I, you know, I like doing the the Q and A's here, you know, being able to answer your questions and give my thoughts on things. And uh, it's mainly, you know, th- this episode is really driven by the people who watch the show. So I'm happy to uh, provide some insight. Now I just got to post the link here and try and multitask at the same time. Uh, which I'm kind of good at, you know, I'm still holding the ship here, but, uh, but anyways, um, yeah. So, so, you know, I had a guest lined up, like I said, it didn't, it didn't work out and, uh, you know, scrambling. I, I literally went through about six people yesterday. Um, cause the other thing is when I got here, I had to figure out how I was going to get internet, uh, to see how the internet was and it worked great. Um, ended up doing, you know, two interviews yesterday and, uh, you know, so once I had the green light there, I then had to figure out a guest situation. And then when the guest fell out, it just didn't work out. But like I said, I really want to make sure that I'm uh, doing this every week and giving you guys good content um i wanted to be in boston this week to cover ufc 220 um you know i talked to fightful about going and covering it for them and everything like that but uh, but i had this wedding come up in mexico uh family friends so i had to go i mean who's going to turn down a, a trip to mexico so so i'm out here uh, my wife's downstairs getting some lunch but i thought i'd uh, do this podcast here but enough about me um i've got a lot of questions today i really want to thank everyone who uh submitted questions we actually got a lot and I'm going to answer all of them here today. And I'll uh, also, you know, maybe add a few other things here and there. We'll see if we can go the full hour, um, you know, depending on how we can sort of stretch this out a little bit. And if you're in the chat on YouTube, I'm going to be checking that as well. So if you guys have further questions, I'll be uh, happy to answer all those things and uh, and everything else. Uh, but let's get to the first question here. So a uh, good friend of mine, Jeremy Brand, a guy who I, I do want to get on the show at some point. He's the uh, the founder and uh, of, of uh, MMA Sucka. Uh, you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. And Jeremy asked me, he says, you've interviewed hundreds or thousands of guests. What's one question you'll never ask? And what's one question you've asked someone that you wish you hadn't asked? So just so you guys know, I'm reading these on the fly. So I might have to take a second to sort of think of the answer here. But uh, what's a question I don't ask? Um, I tend not to dwell too much on a fighter's loss. I kind of just like to talk about it and sort of move on from there. 
Um, I, I don't really like dwelling on, on sort of the negative stuff. I, I'll ask the stuff that needs to get asked, but um, I tend not to, to you know, talk too much about a fighter's loss or anything like that. Um, I tend to stay away from um, just, you know, sensitive topics. I, you know, the main thing with these interviews is I really try and make them uh, fun and personable. And, and I think you can still get good information that way, you know, still keeping it lighthearted while also asking, you know, the important questions. Um, I kind of stay away from, from pay, um, you know, the, the pay, the pay stuff, unless a fighter has been specifically vocal about it. You know, I don't look at the Reebok pay scales and ask a fighter like, Hey, do you wish you were making more? Of course they they wish they were going to make more. So I, I kind of, you know, avoid that as well. Um, I don't like to stir things up with fighters as well. I don't know what type of question you would sort of ask that way, but I know some reporters, that's their thing. They like to, you know, say, Hey, this guy said that, and this guy said this, like, I don't really like doing that too much. I mean, I will mention the odd time if a fighter said something, you know, sort of disrespectful or whatever, but I'm not trying to go out there and stir things up or create a fight or anything like that. In most cases, I just, you know, if, unless it's relevant. So that's something I sort of like to avoid as well. And um, I'm just trying to think of other things that are sort of offside for me. I mean, I don't know. I just my my main thing of doing the interview is really to just, you know, see how the fighter's doing, see what they're, you know, they, they've been up to sort of outside the cage, uh, you know, leading up to the fight. And then just talking about maybe their future or, you know, other things they have going on, you know, what they're watching on Netflix, things like that. So those are so those are sort of the, the general things that I do. And, and uh, you asked a question um, of someone. Oh, yeah. And then, then he asked, uh, what's one question you asked someone that you wish you hadn't asked? Hmm. I'm just trying to think here if there's one that really sort of stuck out. I mean, I've had times where I've made mistakes. Like I remember asking, um, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think like, I remember asking like a question of, you know, someone's weight and it being the wrong weight class or something like that. Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, if there's something that I asked that I wish I didn't ask. Um, hmm. Let me just see here. Maybe just something regarding, um, you know, kind of just, I don't know, maybe personal stuff. I mean, I, I'm just trying to think about you even gotten that personal with someone. Um, no, not really. I think, okay, I, I, I have one for you. And this is one you guys can see on Fightful. So I remember, uh, you know, a couple of months back, I asked Mackenzie Dern. There's a video on YouTube of Mackenzie Dern where she is – uh, it just shows the evolution of her accent. And basically, you know, Mackenzie was born in the U.S. and she spent a lot of time in Brazil and she she has a lot of, you know, friends who speak Portuguese and she's Brazilian as well. Her father speaks fluent Portuguese and everything. And I asked her a question about um, the video, if she had seen it and she hadn't seen it. And I felt like it was important to ask just because I've seen the video pop up a bunch of times. But her answer and sort of that whole exchange was a little awkward. So I do kind of regret asking her about that in hindsight. I felt it was necessary just because I did see the video pop up and people were kind of, I mean, Mackenzie, for whatever reason, people give her a lot of flack for this. They call her, you know, a fake Brazilian and all this, because if you watch some of her older interviews, her English is completely fluent. And then if you watch the video that, you know, like, like a recent interview of her, she has a very, you know, sort of thicker accent. I mean, she lives in the States, but if you talk to her, and this is what I asked her in the interview, she says that, you know, a lot of the times other than, you know, being at the gym, a lot of her friends, you know, they, they speak Portuguese to her. So it's just kind of natural for her to have an accent. But I regret asking that question only because the, the answer I got was kind of, it just was kind of, the whole thing was a little bit awkward. And she's just talking about how she blocks people. And I don't know, looking back, it's one of those ones where I was like, eh, I probably, I don't know, I probably wouldn't have asked that if I had the opportunity again. Not that I felt like she was offended or anything, but that, that's just one of them there that, uh, yeah, it was a little, little bit weird. Um, we're going to move on to the next question. Uh, I'm going to hope I pronounce his last name right. Uh, Lucas uh, Grandsire. He is a guy who watches the show a lot, a Brazilian journalist. Um, he's been great. He's always been giving me good feedback. And you can follow him on Twitter at uh, Grandsire MMA. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that, but I did want to get your question in here. He asked me, uh, how do you go about booking your interviews? Um, well, I, you know, I, I've talked about this a little bit before on the show, but I'll, I'll kind of go back to it again. Uh, for booking interviews, um, generally, I will look at the fighter's social media and see if they are managed by anyone. 
Um, you know, managers are not always the easiest way to get interviews, but it's the proper way. I've talked about professionalism on here, and uh, I really think it's important for fighters to, uh, you know, you go through the channels to, to do interviews. Um, you know, but if they don't have that information listed on their Instagram or their Twitter or their Facebook, then I'll, I'll go directly to the fighter. Um, how do I do that? Again, I've talked about this before. I don't do it on public if, if I don't have to. Um, I, I think a, a general rule is to not tweet someone publicly. Uh, you know, even if it's just at their handle, I, I think in general, you should try and avoid that. Uh, some fighters have their DMs open, so you can just, you know, send them a direct message. A lot of times what I've been doing lately is I've been going on Facebook and I've been sending them messages there. Now that's a catch. There, there's a bit of a catch there because if you're not friends with someone on Facebook, the message goes to like an unknown inbox. And sometimes you don't know for sure if you're going to get, um, you know, if, if the message is going to go through. I've had that plenty of times. I've messaged fighters on Facebook, no response, because it goes to that other inbox if you're not friends with them. So it's a bit of a risk, but I'd rather do it that way just because you're, you're not making it public that you're trying to contact someone. I just think in general, it's better to do the, the setting up of interviews in private. So like I said, rule one, Find out if they have a management team. Uh, you know, there's like there's a lot of big management companies. We had Ed Cap on here, you know, a couple of weeks back, and he works for Iridium. So Ed's someone where I look at it, you know, the client list of Iridium. Hey, Rob Font has, or sorry, not Rob Font. Um, you know, uh, Eric Anders has a fight coming up. I'll get in touch with Ed. Hey, Ed, here's my availability. Is Eric available at this time to set up an interview? Boom, do that. We set it up that way. Um, other times, you know, if it's a fighter I've interviewed a bunch and they they don't really have a manager, or they don't have you know a manager that. Uh, or, or maybe they, you know, they, they don't mind setting up interviews on their own. I'll send them a DM say, Hey, same thing. You know, what's my availability and, and Facebook, same thing, just going that route. But I, I'll usually, when I do initially reach out to them, if it's a new fighter and I'm, I'm contacting them directly, usually I will bring up like, Hey, is there, is there someone I need to contact like a manager or something? Because I just think that's generally, generally good practice because managers can be a bit weird. I've had situations where managers have gotten upset where, uh, you know, there, there's people, uh, you know, getting interviews from, I mean, even though you're giving them essentially publicity doing the interview, sometimes they don't like not being in the loop. So uh, that, that's where sometimes, uh, you know, you, things can get a little bit sticky here. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to uh, put another question in here. As you can see, uh, you know, I bragged about my multitasking skills, but right now it's, uh, it's, it's not going uh, too, too great at the moment. But uh, yeah, so, so that, that's generally what I do is, is go through the manager and not go through um, getting, uh, you know, I, I'd like to try and involve the manager as much as I can just because then everyone's happy and there's no one upset uh, about, uh, you know, going that route. Um, so, so, so that sort of answers uh, Lucas's question here about, uh, you know, going and, uh, you know, booking interviews. Um, the other question he asked is, how did you know your interviews were going to be uh, niche? Uh, well, I mean, I didn't see a lot of people doing video. Um, talked about this before, but I kind of realized early on, I mean, when I first started doing this, I was, uh, I was doing, you know, podcasts, like, like a lot of people were, and, you know, I had a weekly podcast with Adam Martin and it was audio and it was great. And we were doing it every Sunday. And I just noticed that there were, there were people doing podcasts and there's people who were, you know, they were getting better guests. I mean, let's be honest here. I, I, we, we got good guests on the show, but, um, you know, once, you know, like submission radio came into play, I mean, they're getting, you know, really good guests. So I kind of realized there things were getting a bit murky as far as, or a bit sort of saturated, I should say, as far as the, uh, you know, the, the market for podcasting. So, so that's where I kind of decided, you know, to go the, the video route. And, and again, I've talked about this before as well, like writing, I'll do it. You know, I, I do do a bit of writing. I don't like transcribing just because it's, it takes a lot of time to do. And I'm not like a great writer. Like I realized early on that I'm not going to be like a Kareem Zidane or like a, you know, Chuck Mendenhall. So I kind of was like, let's focus on the strengths. And in my opinion, my strengths are my on-camera skills and, and my broadcasting and all that stuff. So I kind of decided to go the video route. And to be honest, you know, people think I invented this or I was one of the first people to do it. Uh, Frank Trigg actually was one of the first people who started doing this that I saw. 
And I know this because I edit all his interviews for MMA Oddsbreaker. And I was like, you know, I could do this. And, you know, I got, I got to give tip my hat to Frank because Frank was doing it a lot more before I was. And Frank's still doing it today. And he was someone that was a big influence as far as me doing these. So I remember, I think my first video interview that I ever did, I think I want to say was either with, was it with, uh, was it with Misha Serkinov? It, it was someone early. I, I just, I'm trying to remember. It was, it was, I think it was when Misha was not in the UFC. It was with Hard Knocks. And, or maybe it was Anthony Burchek. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at what my first interview was, but that, that was actually video um, like I'm doing now. But it was, uh, yeah, I remember just doing it and I'm like, you know, I can do this. It's easy. And I looked into it. I looked into recording software and all that other stuff. And uh, yeah, I just, I started doing it that way. And I figured video was good, especially for the fact that I was starting to do a lot of regional interviews at that time. And no one's really doing a ton. I mean, even now, like there's, there's people covering the regional scene, but there's, they're not doing video. And I think it's important to get these guys on camera and get their faces out there because, you know, how many times you watch UFC and you see a guy that's making his debut and you don't even know what he looks like or you don't know much about his background. So I try and give them that early exposure. And, and it's good for me too, because I, I find the interviews go better when it's video, just with the simple fact that um, it's, uh, it, it's the, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think it's good to have a conversation where you can see each other. I find it goes a little bit better um, as far as all that stuff. So that that's kind of why, um, you know, I, I did, I went sort of the video route and, and the reason I knew it was niche is because no one was doing it. So, and I knew there was a market that had to be covered. So that I hope answers your question. Um, he also asked, when was that moment you realized you were becoming successful in MMA media? Well, I want to bring this up. Uh, you know, I still don't, I, yes, I guess I'm successful because I'm doing this full time now, but I mean, there's still a lot of work to do. I'm not where I want to be yet. I'd love to be doing this, you know, full time with one outlet and, you know, really getting to go to events a lot. And that, that's sort of the dream right there. But um, I guess I started noticing when I was getting good feedback from fighters and I would, you know, I, I started to get, you know, bigger interviews and I was noticing that people were really, you know, they're digging the interviews and I'm not someone to really go and toot my own horn or talk about, you know, I'm interviewing this guy or that guy, but, um, you know, just the feedback you get, I guess, sort of from fighters and from other people, actually, I'll tell you this, the, the, here's, here's one moment that I remember and, and I got to give him credit cause he's such a nice guy. I was covering UFC 206. This was 2016 in Toronto. And that was Max Holloway and uh, Anthony Pettis. And, you know, it was media day and I was doing my interviews. And again, media day is a bit of a circus because you only get an hour and you can interview whoever you want. And at the end of the interview, I interviewed Brandon Gibson, striking coach for Jackson Wink. And I interviewed, I had interviewed Brandon before. I'm trying to remember how I even ended up getting him on the show initially. I think it was for my old podcast. And I want to say maybe, no, 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 no. I remember now. I interviewed Brandon in Ottawa at the Wonder Boy and Rory McDonald card. And I just saw him standing around and I just did a quick interview with him and it was great. And so he followed me on Twitter and I, I kept in touch with him after that. Anyways, fast forward to UFC 206. Brandon Gibson, I do this interview with him. I asked him about Land of Anata and Cub Swanson and they were both on the card competing. And I did the interview and it went really well. And I remember Brandon said this to me. And you know, again, I, I cannot stress this enough, guys. If you're doing something and someone compliments you, remember that compliment. You know, we, we live in a social media era where everyone's so negative and, you know, people are quick to tell you how much you suck. And, you know, there's a variety of reasons for that. But there's a lot of negativity on social media. But one thing I've preached a lot of is if you get compliments, remember them. And if people, you know, write something nice to you, save that. It's good for a bad day. I, I often reference a lot of the compliments I get just because, you know, it's easy to forget the good things that you do sometimes. So that, that's important. But getting back to Brandon's comment, I'll always remember this. After the interview, Brandon gave me a big smile. and He says, man, you're so good at this. He's like, you're like a natural. And for him to say that, I know Brandon is a striking coach. He's not like a, a broadcaster, but he's someone I respect. He's someone that's, you know, really well known in the game. He's someone that was really nice to me. He's always been nice to anyone I've ever seen. 
But for him to go out of his way and say that, that meant a lot to me at the time. So I've always kind of kept with that. And I remember thinking, if Brandon thinks this, and he's probably been interviewed by everyone like Ariel Hawani and whoever else, for him to say that about me, that meant a lot. So that, I guess, was a little slice of me knowing that I was becoming successful at this. So I hope that answered the question. I'm going to head over to the YouTube chat right here. Uh, we Oh, Edward. Oh, awesome. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Edward uh, Carbajal, uh, who's always been a big supporter. And I noticed, Edward, you answered a question on Twitter, which I will answer there as well. Um, he asked me, fun question for you. Where do you get the fresh to dash lynch gear? Because you be styling. My wife got me this shirt. Normally, I buy my own clothes. But in this case... We knew we were going away. My wife was out. She bought me this shirt. It was kind of a hit or miss. She didn't know if I'd like it or not. Um, so, but I, I like it. I think it looks good. Um, so, so I'm wearing it here today. Um, he says, my only problem with Dern is that she won't let me buy her dinner or a house. Well, I think Dern's a taken woman. Actually, I know she is. She's got a boyfriend. Probably a tough market trying to date, uh, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu champion like her. But uh, yeah, Mackenzie Dern's a, a great uh, interview. All right, we're going to go back to the questions here. Alex uh, Scafidi, uh, who's uh, always been a big supporter of the show, and she's uh, doing a bit of writing lately. I know she's been doing uh, some stuff for MMA Today, and she's got a bunch of questions here, which I will answer because uh, Alex has always uh, been great. You can find Alex on Twitter uh, at Alex Scafidi. I believe that's her Twitter handle. Uh, if not, I'll check it after. She says, how do you determine whether or not to accept or decline, I'm guessing is what she's saying. She spent, spelled this wrong here, a, a writing position for a media outlet you may not be familiar with. Um I, I look it up. Um, I, I, you know, I, I look at the site. I've had offers from sites that, you know, maybe I haven't been too familiar with or um, yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had offers here and there that have been, you know, been pitched to me. What I like doing is two things. I'll go look at the site. I'll go look at who's running the site. I'll go figure out who's behind the site. Like if it's someone uh, you know, that, that's all over the site, I'll go check out their work. I'll go do that. Um, I'll also ask people about the outlet. I mean, if you, if you're on social media, and you've probably seen most outlets out there, I would say. I mean, some of the smaller ones, it's tough to keep track. But I would go check out the site and then I would go uh, see who works for them and check out their work. And do you respect their work? Do you like what they're putting out there? That would be my question. There's a few sites I wouldn't work for. I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, there's some clickbait sites out there that I'm just not a fan of what they're doing. So I would never work for them. Even if they offered me good money, I, I probably wouldn't take it because, you know, I want to work for a site that I like what they're doing. That's why, you know, Flow Combat love working for them. Fightful, love working for them. Not just saying that because they're hosting the show, but Fightful has been great feedback and, and everything. They, they've always been really good with me. So, you know, and, and Fansided and all the other outlets, MMA Oddsbreaker. I mean, they, they've all been good. All the, all, the, all the outlets that I work for, I really respect the work they're doing. So that's why I'm working for them. And the other thing is ask, ask around, ask people that, you know, maybe familiar with the site as well. Maybe you've heard some things behind the scenes, you know, maybe they don't pay on time. Maybe they don't, uh, treat their employees very well. I mean, these are things to ask yourself when working for an outlet. Um, so, so those are things I would do. Sorry, I got an itchy eye here. I don't know why. Maybe it's the, the weather here. Um, also, how do you move from unpaid work to paid work? Ah, important question. I see this a lot. Um, well, I mean, I think that when it comes to paid work, I think that you almost, I mean, okay, this is what happened to me. I was doing unpaid work for a bit. Um, I mean, my podcast, my audio podcast I was doing was unpaid for, for a couple months. And then MMA Oddsbreaker actually came to us or I can't remember. I know Adam at the time, my, my, co, my co-host Adam Martin, he, uh, he was working with MMA Oddsbreaker at the time. And I know Oddsbreaker was interested in bringing the podcast along and paying us for it. So it sort of came that way. And then I remember when I started doing work for Oddsbreaker, like the interviews, I went to them only asking if they needed anyone. And, and I sort of went that way. So I guess to sort of answer your question, how do you move? I mean... I would say this, you want to have a portfolio. Um, that's why I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people I've seen on social media saying, don't do anything for free. I understand that. But I think to a certain extent, you know, and Sean Rossap has talked about this when we had him on the show here. 
you got to do some free stuff. You do. And just do a small commitment. Don't make it worth your whole life, but do, do work so you can learn how to get better. Talk to people at the site, ask them feedback, ask them, what can I do better? What can I improve on? You know, these are important things to ask yourself because you want to be, because by the time you do start to do paid work, you want it to be polished. You want people to read your stuff and know that, you know, you have education behind it. You are, you know, know how to put together a sentence and, and things like that. So that that's important. So as far as the time, I'd say when you have a good portfolio, when you have, I wouldn't even throw a specific number on there, but maybe like if you're doing articles and interviews, maybe like a hundred, I think that's fair. I don't think that's too much. You do what, one a week, two a week, you know? build up your portfolio, have something that you can show people. Um, and, and I'd say that, and, and I'd say, just wait and see. Um, you know, I think a lot of the outlets I work for, I, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I'd say that some outlets that I've worked for, I haven't had, they, they approach me about work, about paid work. Um, other outlets I've approached them and it's, you know, it's always a little bit, um, not awkward, but it's kind of an, an iffy way of going about things. Sometimes pitching yourself, to outlets because you don't want to you don't want to seem like you're too cheap but you also want to be getting paid what you think you're worth and ask around that that's one thing i would recommend to ask around what sort of the going rate is for articles for you know news recaps fight recaps all these types of things these these things are all you know very important um to to you know find out before you go do that so i'd say yeah build a portfolio ask around see how much sort of the rate is worth and sort of go from there but you know start off slow don't expect to get full time right at the bat I mean, I'm not even technically full-time. I'm a full-time freelancer, but I'm not a full-time employee, if that makes sense. She also asked, what is the best way to decline these positions if you're uninterested? Um, what's the best? Uh, oh, yeah. So how to decline? I mean, I've declined outlets before. Um, just say, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's the right fit for me right now. Um, just say, you know, I'm not. Like, look, I mean, I've had to turn down jobs outside of fighting. Uh, you know, it happens. You just have to be honest with yourself, but just be polite. Say, you know, while I very much appreciate the opportunity, I just, um, I just don't think it's a good fit for me right now. Just leave it at that. If you think the site sucks, don't say that, but say something like, Hey, I think that, uh, I just don't think it's a good fit for me. And, you know, we've all had to do that. I've had to make tough choices uh, in the past with, with certain outlets. Um, I remember one outlet, uh, which I don't even think it's around anymore. They wanted to, you know, pay me to do interviews, but they wanted it to be based off the ad revenue they made off YouTube. That, that wasn't going to fly with me because, you know, some of my interviews do well, some of them don't, but you're going to, you're going to pay me off YouTube ad revenue. I might as well just put the interviews on my own channel and make money that way. That doesn't fly. A, a lot of the stuff that I do is, is paid per content. And that to me works out better as far as, um, you know, getting paid. Cause then you're guaranteed pay regardless of how the, you know, the interview does. Um, so, so yeah, just, you know, be polite about it, be professional about it. Don't, don't publicly say anything bad about the website saying, Oh, I was offered this or whatever. Just keep it private, keep it uh, professional. What's the best way to deal with pay discrepancies? Uh, I mean, it's an iffy one. I mean, stand your ground, but also don't, be greedy either. Be realistic. I've seen some people, you know, throw out really high rates for what they're worth. Um, ask people, I, this is, you know, this is why I say it's important to find mentors in this industry uh, because, you know, it's, it's important to understand what, uh, you know, it's important to get information from people you respect. So, uh, you know, ask around, say, how, hey, how much do you think I'm worth? How much, what's, what's sort of the regular, you know, amount per, per content or, you know, some sites they do like a per month content, you know, figure out what's like a good rate that way and figure out, figure out that stuff. So the best way to, beta, way to deal with it is just to kind of figure out what you're worth, um, you know, go from there, start pitching that way and then see what happens. And, and maybe you do want to take a, a position that's maybe a little bit less paid because there might be incentive to get paid more later down the line. I mean, money's money. I mean, 
you know, I think a lot of people know this. It's tough to get paid work in, in the MMA industry at this point. It is. It's tough. I mean, there's a lot. Think of how many websites there are, how many people are doing writing, how many people are doing news recaps, play-by-play interviews. There's so many people. It's so hard to kind of find your own niche there. So to try, and a lot of people, a lot of sites just want UFC and Bellator stuff. So, you know, it's tough to, it's, it's tough to find, you know, uh, a site that's, that's willing to pay you, you know, the, the proper amount or whatever. So, um, she actually, she has, she has a follow up here. So maybe I didn't exactly answer her question, but she says, what is the best way to deal with pay discrepancies? IE, you do work and you're not compensated. Have you run into this issue? How do you deal with it? I mean, I've had outlets that have paid me late. I've never had a situation where I've never been paid. Um, get everything in writing. That is, there we go. That, that's one you should definitely do. If you ever get on with an outlet, make sure you have something in writing that says they're either going to pay you per content or they're going to pay you per month. I've had paychecks late. That happens a lot, unfortunately, in this industry. Um, you just, you got to deal with it, but get it in writing. So if it does come back to you and they don't pay you, um, you know, throw it in their face and say, Hey, look, we have a contract. You, we've agreed on this amount. Pay me, pay me what I'm worth uh, or pay, pay me what we've agreed upon. And if they don't pay you, then if they refuse or they say, you know, whatever, then stop writing for them. I mean, I'll say this, let's say, let's say you do work for, let's say it's Jan. Well, we're in January. Let's say you do work for an outlet. End of the month comes, they don't pay you. Okay. Keep doing work. But if it's more than two months and you're still doing work for them and you haven't seen a dime, stop working for them. Say, Hey, listen, I mean, I'm doing this work here. We had an agreed contract. You know, some people might disagree with me here, but some people might say, don't do anything until you get paid. I get that. But sometimes there's, there's issues with payroll. I mean, I'm a little bit more lenient on that because again, for a lot of people, when you're starting out, it's not your full-time job. So if you're getting paid a little bit late, is it really that big a deal? I mean, it's not like you're using this money for rent. You're using this money to buy a dinner or, you know, maybe invest in equipment or things, things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, and, and then as far as if, you know, you're, you're not getting paid or you're getting paid late, just pester them. There's an outlet I work for, not Fightful. Fightful, by the way, Fightful pays me on time every single time. So Jimmy, if you're watching, I love it. You guys pay me all the time and I appreciate that. I'm, I'm organized like that. So I appreciate when people pay me on time. I've had other outlets pay me late up to a month late. What do you do? You pester their payroll department. I email them every day and I say, hey, what's going on with this? What's going on with this? Don't feel like you're a burden because they owe you money. If you agreed on a contract on how much you're supposed to get paid, follow up with it. That's what they're supposed to do. So just, just pester about it. Don't feel like you're being a bother. I've run into people where they're like, I don't know if I should say something. You say something. If you're not getting paid and you agreed to something, pester them. Get, get on it. Um, you know, de- definitely uh, you know, take advantage of that or whatever. Um, Alex is in the chat here. She says, please come back with a tan. You know, it's a bummer, actually. We're on full, first full day here in Mexico. No, uh, it hasn't really been sunny. It's been overcast. So it's, I, I don't know if I'll get a tan. We'll see. Um, Stone Osborne, a guy who I know has been uh, supporting the show for a while. He's in the YouTube chat. He says, what, what do you do if an outlet uses your work without credit? Um, well, it depends what you mean by work. If they copy and paste your uh, work, um, contact them privately. Don't, don't publicly blast them. I'm not a fan of that. Try and keep things professional. Um, if, I mean, we, okay. I mean, I guess there's varying degrees of someone stealing your work. Is someone copying your interview or something or a story you broke word for word and not crediting you? That's like the worst case scenario. Yeah, that's horrible. Is there a case where let's say you broke some news and no one credited you? I mean, that also happens. I hate that. I wish that people would see that. I mean, do it privately. That would be my suggestion. Do it privately as much as you can. Does the website have an editor? Does who, who wrote the article? Find them on Twitter, get in touch with them. Say, Hey, what's the best way I can contact you? Get an email from them, email them, say, Hey, look, this is a situation. I had a situation. I believe I've talked about this before where a major outlet stole my interview. Now, how do you ask, how do they steal an interview? 
Literally, I'm interviewing a fighter. They zoomed in on the fighter, got their answers, put it up on their website and on their YouTube page. I'm not going to mention the outlet because they were actually really cool about it. But I know I didn't notice this until someone brought it to my attention on Twitter. They said, "Hey, someone stole this. This outlet stole your interview." So of course I was pissed because they're they're making ad revenue off my interview, my questions. It wasn't even. And, and listen, here's and, and just to, for some clarification on this, it wasn't a media scrum. Media scrum is a different story. Media scrum, it's fair game to put up whatever's on there. Even if you didn't ask the questions, if you're there filming, if it's a media scrum, you can put it up. That's that's a you know cardinal rule. If you are doing a one-on-one where it's clearly a one-on-one where I'm on camera, I'm not on camera, but I'm still asking the question. You cannot steal that stuff. This outlet stole from me. I found their editor who I actually know. Well, yeah, I've met in person and I have their contact. Sent them a quick message to say, hey, listen, this is what happened. I'm not super mad about it, even though I was mad. I said, you know, it's not a huge deal, but I just wanted you to know that this out, your outlet used my interview without my, without my permission. It wasn't a media scrum. It was a one-on-one interview. Just so you know, here's my interview. You can see clear as day that I asked these questions and you took the answers that I used and made it in your own video. They were cool about it. They got back to me and they not only apologized, but they had the guy who actually took it, you know, apologize as well. I mean, they went above and beyond. They, they took it down. They, they were good about it. Um, you know, maybe that guy really thought it was a media scrum. It didn't look like it at the time, but I like the way they handled it. But the key thing here, if you can take anything away from it, is that they did it in pri- that we did this whole thing in private. So no one knew. I'm telling now, you're not going to find out who the outlet is. I'll never tell. I mean, some people know. I've told the story, but I just, it's, it's not appropriate to, to, to put people in blast. Now, if someone takes your, your story and doesn't credit you and, you know, they're being a dick about it, fair use, however you want to do that. If you want to blast them on Twitter, I mean, I've never done that. I try and avoid that type of drama. I know Sean, you know, managing editor of this site has, has you know, mentioned that. I don't have an issue with it. I'm a little on the fence about doing it just because I think at the end of the day, you want to be professional, but if people are stealing your work, absolutely you should call them out. So I'm a little bit on the fence on that, but uh, it's, it's a little bit, um, it's, it's a little bit there. Uh, Alex Scafidi in the chat is also saying you can still tan and burn in overcast. Go get out there. Well, I am after I'm done this, I still got to eat lunch too. It's about two o'clock Eastern time. We've got about half an hour left guys. I want to thank the questions. Uh, thank you guys for submitting questions. I really didn't know how long this was going to go. And we're, we're at half an hour and I haven't even got half the questions done. So very happy about that. Um, where are we at on the questions here? We were, we were on Alex's last question. Um, yeah. So, you know, to kind of answer her question again, um, yeah, just if, if you're not getting compensated, you know, give it a bit of time, but just pester them and make sure you get paid. And if they're not going to pay you at all, then just leave the outlet and, you know, don't blast them in public. Well, I don't know. That's an iffy one. I don't think I would. I would just keep it in private and just know to never work for that outlet again. But most outlets pay. So especially if they've agreed to it. Nick Baldwin, who's been on the show, 17-year-old wonder kid from Bloody Elbow. You can follow him on Twitter at Nick Baldwin MMA. Um, thanks, Nick, for submitting the questions. And thanks for the support. And thanks for coming on the episode a couple of weeks back. It was great having you. His question, do you enjoy covering major events, UFC and Bellator, with a weak media presence because you get content that others don't or with a strong media presence because the atmosphere is so cool? Um. I don't have a preference. Uh, I will say that sometimes the when there's a there's less media presence, it can be more fun because you can, you know, have a bit more like like you were saying, you you get more content uh, that way. Like for example, last year UFC 210 in Buffalo was awesome. I mean, you know, the major outlets were still there, but it was still just a smaller group of people there. So you know, it just I find that that's more fun sometimes, just because you can you know, kind of be there. But I like when the bigger outlets are there, to be honest, sometimes because it, it's challenging. Um, perfect example, Mayweather Mac, uh, the, the stop in Toronto. 
I've never seen so much media in my life for an event. And uh, it was tough. I didn't get a lot of content there, but I almost liked the challenge because it, it makes you better. Uh, it makes you want to really, you know, get your nose in there and really, uh, you know, try and try and be assertive. And, you know, I, I learned a lot from that. I, I Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I had the unfortunate um, experience of being next to Ariel, not unfortunate in terms of, I don't like Ariel. I, I do like Ariel, but you know, Ariel's going to ask a million questions and I have to be respectful of him as well. And so there's kind of this balance of where like, I don't want to butt in and ask questions when he's asking. It is a media scrum. You're allowed to do that, but you know, I have a respect for Ariel as well. So I remember I, I got a few words in, but not as much as I would have liked because it was by Ariel and, and it was, it was difficult. Ariel Hawani. So um, no, I, I don't have a preference. Um, I do enjoy getting, you know, the unique content, but you know what guys, like I was in Detroit for UFC 218. Everyone saw it here, you know, all the coverage I did for Fightful. I mean, I'm the guy who's, even if I'm at a media day, I'm not just interviewing the people that are, you know, supposed to be scheduled there to do interviews. I got, you know, UFC 218. I got Raquel Peddington, who was there for Tisha Torres. I was there with Dominic Reyes, who wasn't even part of media day. I just knew him and I texted him and I said, Hey, are you around to do something quick at the hotel? We did it. I got Jason Perillo, cyborg striking co- uh, coach uh, there who's just standing around. I got him. So, I mean, I'm still getting good content regardless of the, the media pack that's there. Um, I remember at Buffalo, there was still a pretty decent amount of media there. Um, and, and, you know, I got like Ray Longo and Henry Hooft and, you know, Javier Mendez. I mean, they're just standing there while the media scrum's going on. I don't record the full media scrums because my strategy when I go to these events is I'll get the questions I ask and then I'll try and get other content that's around there because I'm all about getting the unique content. So, that's sort of why I did it. So, so to answer your question, Nick, I don't have a preference. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to both. I mean, yeah, it sucks sometimes when you're trying to get questions in at like, like for example, UFC 205, I was there. There was a huge media presence there for, you know, McGregor making history when he fought Alvarez. I don't think I got in one question at the presser. Maybe I got one in. I can't remember actually. It was late at night. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. So sometimes from a content perspective, you don't get what you'd like, but there's still ways around it in terms of, you know, finding other fighters that are there or whatever. So no, no preference, but um uh, you know, it, it, it really doesn't matter, but I will say that like, I think the weakest media presence I've ever had for a major event was, um, well, hold on. It would be a toss up. I Bellator 119 at Casino Rama. There was like no one there. It was just like local guys. That was fun. But UFC Ottawa, um, wonder boy and Rory, I think like, it was like myself, Ken Rodney from TSN fight network was there at the time. I think Ramdeen and Robin were there. 
Jordan Breen was there from Sherdog. Mike Bond was there from Junkie, but no one from MMA fighting because fighting doesn't cover the fight night cards. It was a fight night card. I remember that. So that was cool. So no preference, just, um, you know, I, I embrace, if, if there is more media, I, I take it as a challenge. I, I like sort of that. Uh, Nick also asked, 2017 wasn't great for media, especially with MMA media. ESPN layoffs, Fox Sports moving to video, Fight Network changing gears, et cetera. What do you expect 2018 to look like? Well, I think a lot of those were, not necessarily related to MMA. ESPN was having their own issues with just, you know, having a lot of people on staff and everything like that. Um, you know, so so that sort of was part of their layoffs. Fox Sports moving to video did directly affect the UFC because, you know, they had full-time writers like Damon, Martin, and people like that working for them. Um, I just think the, yeah, 2017, oh yeah, so no, he is saying media, so he's not just saying MMA media. But um I think that uh, we're seeing that people are consuming their content differently. I think that's why Fox is going to video. And I know they didn't have good numbers that way. I think you have to have a healthy balance. I think you have to have good writers. And I think you have to have good video content. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of people switching to video. I don't know if people have noticed, but Kevin Ioli is doing a lot of video interviews now. I think he's realizing that while his articles are still top notch, um, he's doing video now. He's doing what I'm doing, basically. So, And you're seeing the hits that he's getting. I mean, he's getting a minimum of 1,000 hits on every interview. I mean, that's you know, you're not making a ton of ad revenue off that, but that's still a lot of good eyeballs for, you know, just a quick 10 minute interview. So um, as far as what 2018 is going to look like, I think it's going to be relatively the same. Um, I know certain outlets are cutting back a little bit, um, you know, saying that, I mean, you know, I'm a guy, I mean, people talk about all the time. I know Jonathan Snowden, you know, has been on Twitter a bunch saying that don't get into journalism. The timing's not good. I mean, I agree with that to a certain extent, but you know, I'm making a go of this full time. And I think if I can do it, I think there's other people who can as well. You know, who knows? Granted, I do video. I'm not doing writing. So it's a little bit different. But um, I expect 2018 to look probably similar to 2017. I don't expect too many major layoffs with the, with the bigger networks. But um, I do think we'll see, you know, maybe a few tweaks, maybe some guys leaving some outlets, maybe some outlets hiring some people out there. I mean, there's a bunch of really good free agents out there right now. Um, you know, one that comes to mind is, uh, you know, Brent Brookhouse, who used to work for Bloody Elbow. He's with Flow Slam last. He's... Um, use uh you know it's 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 you know he's a really good guy he did some really great investigative work for bloody elbow um you know stone osborne again uh you know is asking me he says 2017 2017 felt like the most saturated mma media has ever did with content it's everywhere yeah i agree with that because a lot of con- a lot of outlets now it's mcgregor 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 anything mcgregor does we got to write about it i mean you know i've talked about this before that that's what get the cl- gets the clicks unfortunately i wish they, they, we would cover the sport like a real sport where let's talk about prospects sometimes let's talk about up-and-comers in the ufc let's talk about you know people earning title shots let's not talk about what sage northcott had for breakfast i don't like that stuff but i understand it pays the bills so what are you going to do so to answer your question nick i don't expect 2018 to, to bring any drastic changes to to the scene nicole bosco Love Nicole, big supporter of the show, my colleague over at Fansided. She's been doing some great work, by the way. Nicole, if people are watching right now, Nicole interviewed uh, Chris Cyborg and Valentina Shevchenko this week. She's doing some great stuff, and um, I-, I love to see it because uh, we need more females in this MMA space, and Nicole is-, is doing some fantastic work over at Fansided. So I have no problem putting her over a little bit there. She says, what do you find to be the biggest issue when contacting a fighter? Um, I think it's... Um, the biggest issue, I think, is that some fighters just are bad about getting back to you uh, if you have to go directly through them. Um, I think that's that's one issue. I mean, I had a fighter recently who I had literally been talking with for probably a month. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. Um, I had this person's email. I emailed them. They emailed me right back. They gave me their number. I texted them. And it's one of those things where, and I get this all the time with fighters, where you'll text them and they just won't get back to you. And these are like, I've even had it where there's fighters I've interviewed for years and you text them, they just won't get back to you. Like, send me a quick text. You're busy. I'll get back to you when I can, whatever. 
that's better than not texting. I don't like that stuff. I wish fighters were better about that certain fighters about texting back. So that's a huge issue as far as fighters trying to, you know, uh, trying to schedule interviews because fighters are bad that way. The other one I have is, you know, some managers are just like really difficult to work with. Um, I've had a case where a manager, you know, is asking me about how many views I'm getting or what outlet this is for. They're very specific about what outlet they want me to use this for and things like that. Um, so those are issues. Sometimes you have managers that just like, oh, I'll, I'll give you guys a funny one. I had a, uh, I had a manager. I think I talked about this on here. If I did, my apologies, but still a good story. I had a manager where I was doing interviews for the specific promotion. Like they weren't paying me, but the, this promotion, I was, you know, I just, I was like, I was going to do some interviews for their card just because I was like, I'll, you know, I'll do them for for that, you know, specific promotion. And I did a few, and uh, there was an email chain that that actually contacted the promotion, and they're like, you know, hey, let's do some interviews, this and that. They they wanted me to do some interviews, and I, I had no problem doing them. They asked if I'd be interested. I, I did a few. And somehow one of the managers was on the email thread for one specific fighter that was on the card and that manager. So I think this email chain. Oh, I know what happened. I was in Detroit for UFC 218. So this email chain had started the week while I was in Detroit. So I couldn't do any interviews the week after I'm, uh, I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm going to do a few interviews. I mean, it's cutting it close because I believe the fight was on a Saturday that week. So the Saturday I got back from the, the week I got back from uh, Detroit for UFC 218, I was going to do the interviews that week, but early in the week because like they're fighting Saturday. I'm not going to interview them like Thursday or something like that. So I think I'd set them up like Tuesday or Monday or something. Anyways, this manager out of the blue emails me. I didn't even know he was on the email thread, but he sends me a message on Facebook. He's like, he, and it was a three-way conversation. It was, it was with him, his fighter, and me. And it was in the morning. I remember it was like nine in the morning or something like that. And the, and the, the manager's like, Hey, such and such. Hey, to me. Hey, I've got such and such here. What time is best for you to the fighter? And the fighter's like 1030. And they're like, okay, sounds good. We're all set up. And I'm like, hold on a second here. So the manager basically just assumed that I'm just waiting to do this interview with them. But we had never discussed this previously. Like how I got the interviews was I went out on my own and I contacted the fighter and we went from there. But this guy's reading the email thread thinking that like, they're going to set up interviews for me. But this manager's so naive, like, and, and I'm talking like the fighter they had was like, not anyone anyone would know, but they made it out like they had the second coming of Conor McGregor or something. So they they messaged me and they're like, okay, you have to do this interview at this time. And I said, no, no, I have interviews booked already. I'm like, I'm not doing a last minute interview just because you say so. Sorry. Like I, I'm, I literally said this, like I was not rude about it. I said, Hey, um, I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm busy. Uh, sorry. I have interviews booked. Um, you know, maybe we can reschedule for tomorrow or something like that. And he emailed me back or he messaged me back on Facebook and he goes, we had an email thread about this last week, like implying like I owed him. Like, come on, man. Like, I've done it before where I've done last minute interviews because just there's some bad disorganization. And if it's, you know, a big fighter, then yeah, maybe I'll, I'll move some things around. But a fighter that I don't even know and, you know, like you're like, like I owe you, come on. Like, I, I get stuff like that. So that, so to summarize the points, fighters who are disorganized and managers who are disorganized or completely delusional. Those are two big complications that I have sometimes. Um, it's, uh, it, yeah. So, so that those are sort of like the two biggest things or whatever. Um, she also asks, uh, is knowing their manager or finding out contact. Okay. Um, oh, sorry. I got to read these questions in full. Cause I just read the first part. She says, uh, what do you find to be the biggest issue when contacting a fighter? Is it knowing their manager or finding the contact info? How do you overcome these issues? Well, I kind of explained all that. Um, sometimes when it comes to managers, I'll just send it like a quick email. Like I, um, you guys saw on fightful or I, it's going to be released soon on fightful. I interviewed a uh, Valentina Shoshenko and I just got her manager. I've interviewed Valentina before it was through uh, LFA because she had happened to be training with, um, someone who fought for LFA. I'm trying to remember who it was. I, anyways, I can't remember. It was through, or no, maybe it was 
just someone at LFA had her contact information. I think they were doing a card in Colorado. And anyways, it was just, it was like an easy setup. So LFA got me the interview. So I, I had interviewed Valentina before. So I saw she was doing the media rounds. I got in touch with, actually, uh, I got in touch with Nick, uh, Nick Baldwin. And cause I saw Nick had interviewed her and I said, Hey Nick, how did you get Valentina? I mean, I, I got her through LFA, but I'm just wondering who her, who her manager is. So he gave me the info and I emailed the manager and we set up the interview and it worked out great. And you know, I've got his email now and I'm set. I've got that, I've got that hookup now. So um, and I'm sure Nicole, you got the hookup from the manager as well at some point or found out who that was. So, um, so that's, uh, that, that's how I got it. So, so that's how I sort of get managers information. You make the introduction, you say, Hey, I'm, I'm such and such for this outlet, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's all good. And, uh, and, and that's, you sort of make the introduction there. And then you have a Rolodex of managers and whoever that I can go and contact and email and whatever and set stuff up. So that's how I do it. She also asked, how do, uh, how do you find out, how do you find outlets to publish your work? Do you pitch ideas or do they come to you? Well, how I'm, how I do stuff is I have an agreement with all the outlets I work for. And I say, I'm going to do, you know, interviews or whatever I will to all the outlets I work for. I will say, Hey, I'm interviewing such and such. Is this a good fit for the site? Whatever. Cause you know, I balance my interviews, UFC and Bellator with two different sites with Fightful here and with Fanside and Sports Illustrated. Um, and then I also, yeah. And so, so that, that's how I sort of balance things out. So I'll usually just pitch it and say, Hey, is this cool? I'll talk to the managing editor, say, Hey, how do I do this? But if you're looking to uh, find a new outlet to work for, um, just email the, find out who the, the editor is, like the managing editor and just say, Hey, are you looking for any writers? You know, this is what I do. You know, I do interviews or I do fight recaps or whatever. And just say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm Are you guys looking for anyone? If you are, you know, I'd be happy. I'm, I'm looking for work. That's it. I mean, I remember I do video editing for MMA mania. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, I literally went to them. I fly in Brian, who people know on Twitter, fly in Brian J. Um, I got in touch with him cause I know he did uh, video interviews for MMA mania or video, um, breakdowns for MMA mania. I sent him a quick DM. I said, Hey, who's the managing editor at MMA mania? You got me th- that information. I emailed them. I said, Hey, I'm just wondering if you guys are looking for any video editors. Cause I, I do editing along with my video interviews as well. So, you know, I was just looking for extra work. This is when I was like contemplating going full time. I wanted to just have a bunch of outlets there. So I, um, I ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up emailing them and they're like, Hey, would you be interested in doing some video stuff for Mayweather McGregor? And that's when I first started. And I was like, sure. And so I just pitched some ideas to them and we sort of went from there. And now all I really do from MMA mania is just the video recaps of a UFC events. So I take, um, I take images that we're allowed to use and I put them together and put some cool music and some, uh, some graphics together and I make videos for them. So that's, that's sort of what I do. But if I have any ideas, I just send it to the managing editor. So that's what I do um, for all my outlets. Like whether it's, I'm going to interview this fighter. Is this cool? Blah, blah, blah. So that, that's how I do it. Um, do they pitch ideas or do they come to you? I pitch all my ideas. I will say this though, as far as interviews, um, I get pitched a lot for interviews. So it just depends on my schedule. Do I have time to interview this fighter? Is this worth my time? Uh, I had a situation this week I will explain uh, to some of you that you might find interesting. So I had an issue this week where a manager pitches me a bunch of their fighters and they're like, hey, I have such and such. Would you be interested in interviewing? And I said, sure. My first question to them is, do they have a fight coming up? No, they don't. Okay, well, I, you know, and again, it puts me in a bit of an awkward situation, but I said to them, okay, well, I, I would prefer to only interview. And I said prefer when really I don't want to interview someone if they don't have a fight coming up because unless it's someone I've never interviewed before, um, I don't usually do interviews with fighters unless they don't, ha- unless they have something going on, unless they had like a fight like recently, then we can talk about that and sort of what's next. But I don't generally like to interview fighters if they don't have a fight scheduled. So I told this manager politely that, and I can tell you was a little bit irked, but I mean, I just, I'd rather prioritize fighters that have fights coming up because you have something to talk about. Like, it's not that I don't have anything to talk to them about. It's just like, if I've already interviewed a fighter before 
and they're coming on to just talk about, hey, how are, how have things been the last four fights? I mean, there's not really a lot of good stuff to talk about there. So I kind of, uh, yeah, don't like going that route here. Um, wow, we've got about 15 minutes left. I've really uh, sort of stretched this out. I'm going to get to all these questions, though, so I might have to zoom through things like a little bit or whatever. So um, let's see. Uh, let's see what we got here. Do we got any other things in the chat here? Um, he asked, Stone Osborne asks, oh, wow, some people are writing some really weird stuff in here um da, 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 da. Wait, what do we got here um okay i'm going to answer still osborne's other question then i get back get to get back to these other questions he asks um how do you choose which outlet gets the interview can you pick and choose the outlets and dictate what they like i pick and choose just ba- i mean it's tough with fightful and, and fan-sided or whatever because um the uh uh i sort of pick and choose like fan-sided i'll give them one good interview fightful i'll give them one interview it's tough i mean i've gotten you know, people have been upset because I picked one interview for one outlet as opposed to another. It's a fine balance, but I just try and be fair. Like if I get like, you know, I got Chris Cyborg for, for Fightful this week, um, you know, so I did Chris Cyborg for, for Fightful. And then for Fansided, I gave them two exclusive interviews this week instead. So I kind of choose and balance what I do. Yes, it's always going to be an ongoing issue because all outlets want the best interview, but I try and be fair about it. You know, I, I try and give them good interviews each way. So it's a bit of a balancing act, but you know, so far I've been able to manage it well. And I'm honest with them. I say, Hey, look, like I just gave you this in this interview. Like I, sorry, I had to give this other interview to someone else. It happens. It's, it's an issue I face that unfortunately all freelancers have that issue. All right, let's, let's keep these questions rolling. Um, Sean Lennon, host of the Fightlet report. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, by the way, Sean, uh, congratulations. I know this week you got a lot of views on your last episode and uh, I want to give you props for that. Sean does really good work. He, he hosts a show on Chicago sportsland.com. Uh, I believe that's what the website is. Uh, he does a weekly show and he gets really good guests and Sean's a great guy. Sean, I got to meet in Vegas last year during international fight week. And I really like the work Sean's doing. And Sean's one of the good guys in the industry. So I'm happy to, to, to give him some props here. Sean asked me, how have you been able to build a viewership? Well, I would say I've been able to build a viewership by creating good relationships with fighters and managers. Like there's certain camps that I've interviewed, like almost all their fighters, Rufus sport. I've interviewed so many other fighters. I think I've interviewed like at least all the big names, um, that are there including like both Pettis brothers. Um, I've interviewed, I haven't interviewed Duke Rufus. I'd like to one day that, that would be cool, but I've interviewed like a lot of their guys, like, and not even like a lot of their, like, you know, guys that are in the UFC, but like just guys that are in like LFA or whatever. Like there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of really great guys over there and I've interviewed them for years. So I think part of it is just establishing those good relationships with the fighters and their camps and stuff. Like that's really helped. Um, I think just people have been, you know, I get, I get pretty good views on YouTube. Like I put all my interviews on there, like whether it's, you know, for an outlet or whatever, I just, I still put the interview on like a playlist or whatever. And, um, you know, so people see my interviews and I think, I think just, you know, the big name guests I've got have created like a good viewership. I think, uh, I think my social media, I've been really good about that. I post all my interviews on social media, like on my Twitter, where I have almost 7,000 followers now on my Facebook, I put it all on there. Um, I'll say also that, um, yeah, I just, you know, word of mouth, like there's oftentimes when I interview a fighter and they'll say, Hey, I've watched your interviews before. Like, that's a huge compliment for me. And I think that's, uh, you know, speaks to the fact that I do so many interviews and I do interviews that people enjoy watching. So I think, I think that's part of it as well too. And, um, one thing I do that I don't think a lot of people do, and I know there's some people who say this is unprofessional, but I, I don't think it is. If I interview a fighter, I'll tag their personal page on Facebook. They have a bunch of friends. They, they want to see the interview. I don't think it's a big deal. People say it's unprofessional because maybe it's linking right to their personal page and some people feel like it's kind of intrusive. But the way I look at it is, um, you know, why not get those extra eyeballs on there? And if the fighter doesn't want to be tagged on Facebook, you just hit hi. I do it all the time. Uh, if someone tags me in something has nothing to do with me and and I don't want it on there, I just just hit hide. So I'd say it's a combination of reputation, 
just good social media uh, presence and just getting you know good interviews here and there. I think that sort of builds things. Like I did an interview last year with uh, Gigard Musasi at UFC 210, and it went really well. And Middle Easy reposted it, and it got like twenty two thousand views. So I think that doesn't hurt either. So that's why I've done it. Timothy Bissell, Tim, what's going on? Uh, thank you for submitting a question. Tim's been a big supporter of this podcast. And if you're not following Tim on Twitter, it's at Timothy Bissell. That's B I S S E L L. He does some awesome, awesome investigative work for Bloody Elbow and does some really good writing. So go check Tim out. But Tim says, uh, what have been some of the things you've had to learn on the fly in the industry, things that you've had no experience with whatsoever, but got good at through trial and error? Any good stories or antidotes related to the process? Great question, Tim. Really like this one. Um, So to answer your question, uh, okay, I'll tell you one. So when I started doing video interviews at events, um, basically what happened was initially when I first started going to events, I was just writing which, um, you know, that's what people do mainly when they go to events is they, they, you know, they write like interviews or transcribe interviews and things like that. So I think the first two or three events I did, um, UFC 165, Jones Gustafson, uh, UFC 174, Demetrius Johnson and Bagatinov and Montreal, which is Demetrius Johnson and Horiguchi. All those you'll see were written interviews that I did. I had my voice sound recorder did that. Okay. So fast forward to 2016. Um, I went to UFC 196, McGregor and Diaz, and I was going to do the same thing for Sportsnet because, and I've mentioned this before, I don't get paid by Sportsnet. The reason I stay with them as an outlet is because I get accredited to any UFC event I want as long as I use them as an outlet. I always get approved. There's no issue there. And I can put the interviews on my YouTube channel so I can make ad revenue off of it. The ad revenue is not enough to pay for the trip, but I look at it as an investment. I'm putting money into covering an event, better exposure for me. I get better interviews and I get to keep the ad revenue. So it's worth it for me. So that's why I, in the past and still to this day, do coverage for Sportsnet because they have a good relationship with the UFC and that's that. How this is relevant to the story is when I went to UFC 196, I was going to do audio interviews, but I brought my camera with me thinking, you know what? I'll put these on my YouTube channel. I'm already putting my interviews on there anyways. I'll get some more hits on it. It's all good. So literally, I had no idea how to really do a media scrum for video. So I remember when I first went out there, I didn't even have a tripod. I just had my Canon. So if you see my post-fight interviews from UFC 196, I'm actually sitting on a chair in the front because I didn't have a tripod and I didn't want to stand the whole time. So it's kind of funny. If you look at the point of view, I'm actually pointing the camera up this way. And uh, you can see the interviews that I was doing that way. So that was one where um, I was uh, I was doing it that way uh, for interviews. So I had to sort of learn on the fly. And actually, uh, Mike Dice, who's now my my managing editor at, um, at Fansided and Sports Illustrated, he had to lend me a tripod at, uh, at UFC 200 because, again, I didn't have one. I just think cue in. So, so I guess to answer your question, wh- one thing I learned on the fly was how to do media scrums because no one had taught me how to do that. And even though I was doing it for uh, the written stuff, it's it's way different when you're doing video because you have to learn how to get good lighting. You have to get learn pos- good positioning. And here's the key too. You have to stay in the back the whole time if you're doing post-fight interviews. Like I can't go out and sit in my seat because I'm going to miss out on the post-fight interview. So you have to pick a good spot to get good, you know, good video recording and everything like that. So that was one that I had to sort of learn on the fly and it was trial and error. And I think I've got it down pat now because if people see me in scrums, I'm usually one of the first people to ask questions. It's something you just have to learn over time and you have to sort of be pushy about it and, and go in there and get, get the interviews that way. So that's something I had to learn on the fly. Tony Fignano. Hope I'm saying that last right, Tony. Uh, big fan of the work you're doing over at MMA Today. Tony is the founder of MMA Today. Uh, great site. Really love those guys doing some great work. You can follow him on Twitter at Big Tone MMA. He says, how did you come up with good, so many good rapid fire questions at live events? Um, kind of touching on the last question, uh, last answer to the last question. I uh, just practice. You know, I do so many interviews. Like I think I've done over 2000 interviews, at least, I think. I know video interviews have been close to 2000, but if you look at just the ones I've done for my podcast, it's been well over 2000. So I think I'm used to 
at events, you have to think on the fly. You can't write out questions. All my interviews I do here, I, I you know, I write out questions, but um, how do I, I, I just, just practice. Like I have sort of a general template that I use when I ask questions and, you know, especially post-fight questions, um, you end up uh, doing that, uh, that, you know, um, we, we end like you end up sort of asking the same questions a lot of the time. So I usually just keep those in mind. And if the fighter says something that I find interesting or like I pick up on something, like he says like, Oh, I hurt my hand in the fight. I'll ask like, you know, are you, do you think you'll need surgery or like you just, I'm just very, um, I have a lot of good tools in my tool case, so to speak, where I, I know to ask questions and everything. So I just, I, I just sort of have like, like a general set of tools that I use for, for questions. And I keep those in the back of my head because oftentimes too, when you're in a media scrum, um, you know, someone might ask your question. So you got to have backup. So I just have like, I always in my head have about 10 questions I can ask. And then I sort of just build off things that they say. And that, that's how I sort of get good at it. So first off, thanks for the compliment. And second, I hope I answered your question. I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but uh, he's doing some great work over at the score. Uh, Them- Themis Tokolis Alexis. Sorry, I'm butchering that, but thanks for the question. And thanks for giving me the shout out today on Twitter about the Steven Peterson news. He says, how do I get noticed if I can't make it to live events? Is this even possible? Yes, it's absolutely easy to get noticed. Uh, social media. You know how many guys I know that are just, you know, I know there's guys that don't even cover events that have a huge social media presence. The, the key to it is finding your niche. I've talked about this many times in here. Find things that aren't being covered. There's a lot of regional fighters that have a lot of big followings. I, I always say this, regional MMA could be covered more. Women's MMA could be covered more. There's that. And then there's also the fact that you should find um, areas that just aren't being done. Like maybe, you know, do uh, commentary on events. Like I, I've seen people now doing like UFC events. They'll, they'll watch it like live, like I'm doing here. And they'll just start doing commentary. Try, try that. Find, first off, find out what your strengths are. Find out what your strengths are. Like for me, I found out that, hey, broadcasting is my thing. So I ran with the video interviews. That, that's what I decided to do quickly. So for you, find what you're good at, run with it, and really just uh, get people to review your work and, you know, tag fighters in, you know, any, if you talk about anything, tag the fighters in the, in, in the article or whatever. And that, that's how you build a following is good social media following leads to, you know, people getting noticed. Like I was surprised, like even like two years ago, I had people that are like, hey, I've seen your interviews. Like I remember going to UFC 200. I've never met Luke Thomas, but you know, I introduced myself to him and Luke said, Hey, you know, no, I've seen your interviews. So you never know who's watching your stuff. So I think the way to build a good following is make good content, have mentors that can review your work, find your niche, find your strengths and move on from there. We've got four minutes left. Wow. I did not expect to go this long. Uh, what, um, Oh, uh, 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 Edward also asked another question. Edward, who's in the chat earlier. He says, what do you carry in the field at events for onsite interviews? Yeah, I've seen you in action, but what specifically do you like to use and why? I have a very small operation. A lot of people will go with, um, you know, like MMA fighting. They use like a big like um, TV broadcast style camera that's like huge that you have to put over your shoulder. I I keep it simple. I use a Sony Alpha 6000 camera. It's like a camera that's like this big. I'd actually show it to you. I have it with me on vacation, but my wife, I think, took it. Um, So I use that. Um, I have a zoom mic. It's called a, uh, I want to say a zoom H one. Let me just double check that right now. H one mic zoom H one microphone. Yeah. It's called a, uh, what's it called here? Zoom H one handy recorder. I think it's like 70 bucks. It's, it works wonders. Takes such good audio. I use it all the time. It's, it's fantastic. Um, so, so I use that. So what I do is I, I record my video with the Sony alpha. I put the, the other mic, I use it either in my hand or I put it on top of the camera and then what I do in post is I put the video down, I put the audio down and I match them up. And then that's why the sound I get on my interviews is really crisp and clear because that microphone kicks ass. 
Highly recommend that microphone if you're ever going to go live events, use that. And highly recommend the Sony Alpha because it's such a small camera, but the, the video quality is amazing. Like we're talking like 1080p, 60 frames a second. It's just top-notch quality and I love it. It was one of the best uh, purchases I made in the last year. So I have those two things plus a tripod that I use that I carry around. And the tripod's good for like, on camera interviews, if I'm on camera, you know, I can put the tripod there. I can, you know, record myself or like if I'm in a media scrum, I don't have to carry the camera. I can actually just, you know, move the mic back and forth. So that's what I use in the field. And I get that question a lot, actually. If people want to know the specifics of where you can find that or whatever, just shoot me a DM. I'm, I'm happy to sort of, uh, you know, get, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to sort of answer those things. Do we have any other things in the chat? Man, there's some weird guy who keeps uh, tweeting or putting stuff in the chat here. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, there's some weird guy in the chat. But anyways, we're not going to deteriorate that. Uh, we've got two minutes left. Um, I'll just wrap this up quickly. Uh, you know, I want to, I like doing these Q&As. Um, like I said, I was supposed to have a guest today. Tried to get a backup guest. It didn't work out. I'm in Mexico. So, you know, I had to, I had to make sure the internet was good. So I couldn't really, I didn't know if I was, I, I couldn't book another guest until I knew the internet was good. And I didn't get here till yesterday. So that's why I was in this predicament of doing this by myself. I do like doing the Q&As because I do get questions a lot. And uh, I'm happy to answer them. Um, I know at Fightful, they are not a fan of the, the Q&A. So what I might do in the future, guys, is um, I might just do this as like a, like I might do these like Q&As just on my own, on my own YouTube channel and uh, not do them for Fightful. Maybe I'll do them on like an off day or something. Maybe I'll do them like actually like after an event or I don't know. I'll figure it out. But I do want to do these more. I know Fightful doesn't want me to do them. They want me to do them with guests. So um, I, I will I will do them, though, because I know people really uh, enjoy them or whatever. Um, so so that's that. Um, I, I'm going to try and get... Uh, I, I've got a lot of guests that I want to line up uh, in the coming weeks. It's just this week, literally, my biggest issue is everyone's in Boston. And th- they have media stuff going on literally at this time. And this was the only time I could record because... Guys, I got a family. I got a vacation I want to enjoy. So, so it was sort of difficult to, to you know, pick another time. And I want to get in the habit of doing this around one o'clock on every Thursday, just because it's, it's a time that people are familiar with. I don't want to confuse people. And I also want to do this every week. I want to be consistent. I'm not going to be the guy who says I'm too sick to do this or I'm on vacation. I can't do this. I'm going to always do this every Thursday if I can. I, consistency is important. So like I said, the, the one-off podcasts, um, the Q&A ones, I'll just probably do them on my own, not for Fightful. I'll just do them as sort of like an extra thing and I'll, I'll answer them on there and it won't be connected to Fightful. It'll just be sort of my own thing. The only bummer with that is there won't be any audio. It'll just be on my YouTube channel. So hopefully you guys can bear that. I got some good news though. I can reveal. Um, I remember on the podcast I did with Ed Cap, I told you guys that Flow Combat is no longer going to have me doing video interviews. I would like to announce on here that as of today, I will be doing interviews again for Flow Combat. Yay. I'm happy. I'm happy about that. Um, I won't be doing a bunch. I won't be doing the volume I was doing before. I'm only going to be doing about four or five interviews for them a month, but a lot of things happen over at Flow Combat, a lot of changes and everything. They're, they're you know, sort of changing the direction of things. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they just decided today, basically, that they want to get me back to doing interviews, which is great because that's, I love doing interviews. So you'll see more of my Bellator, more of my prospect interviews on there. It won't be a bunch. It'll be four to five a month. Um, and that's what I'll be doing for them from now on, but I'll just be doing lesser volume of them. But I take it as a win because you guys know, I love doing my video, video interviews and I'm happy to do them, um, you know, as much as I can. So, so that's sort of what's, uh, what's going on there next week, going to be back with the industry podcast. Uh, I'll have a guest next week. I reached out to a lot of people this week and I wanted to get them on. So maybe one of those six people that I reached out to or seven people, I can't remember how many it was. We'll, we'll get one of them back on. We'll keep the guests consistent. Um, apologies if you wanted a guest this week, uh, for, for those who like this, uh, Q and a stuff, like I said, I'll be doing it in the future. Guys, I got to go have a drink, have some tequila, have some lunch. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this was informative. Any feedback, please, uh, send me a DM on Twitter. My DMs are open. Send me a tweet on Twitter. Uh, 
send me a message on Facebook, whatever you want to do. Uh, email me. I'll have, I can give you my email if you DM me. Um, I'm happy to answer your questions. The main point of this podcast is to be informative and to give guys and girls, anyone that's covering the sport, some information, some things that they might not know because talking about niches, no one's doing a podcast like this where they're talking about how to cover the industry or how to cover the sport. So I'm happy to carry that torch. I love doing it. This is one of my favorite things to do every week. So uh, thanks for checking it out. Um, thanks, Nail McGrath, for, for the nice compliment. Uh, he says, good work, Mr. Lynch. Uh, I see Nolan in here as well. Nolan, I got to get on. Actually, Nolan, I should have contacted you this week. I just figured you were covering uh, Boston so this week because I, I know you've been doing some interviews. So I didn't even think to contact you. But Nolan will get on here for sure. That's at MMA Kings as well. Guys, I got to wrap it up here. We're about two minutes over. Thanks for watching. We'll be back next week. I'll be back in Toronto next week. Not in such a cool shirt. But uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, we'll see you next Thursday live on the MMA Industry Podcast. Thanks for joining me. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.